and welcome to the Emerald Library Podcast. Uh, I am your host, Silver, and joining me, as always, is your second fantastic host, Bailey. Bailey, want to give a quick hello? Thank you. Thank you for the kind introduction. Oh, On boy. today's episode, episode two, we have the illustrious Combat Tombat. Tombat, why don't you introduce yourself? Hello, I'm Combat Tombat. It's a pleasure to meet you all. <laughs> Um, well, it's yeah. great to have you on. <laughs> yeah, we're so happy to have you here. Um, last episode, we had IDK and Connie, and now we have uh, Combat Tombat. It's an amazing lineup just for G's episode. So far, so that so like good. I haven't talked to you before. Yeah. <laughs> I just realized that. Uh, yeah, this is... Uh, we're just gonna go over some. We're gonna go through some questions, ask you, get your uh, feedback, opinion, thoughts, um, learn a little bit more about you, so everyone listening uh, can find out what goes on in the brain of Combat Tombat. Way too much. Very thought, I know. <laughs> um, so I guess we can start with our first question, which is. Um, whoa, 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 whoa! Slow down. Yeah. Tombat. What do you do outside of the internet if you want to share that? Uh, not much, honestly. I, I'm still in college. Uh, I was blessed enough to decide to take a gap semester. That turned into a gap year because of COVID. Mm. So I'm uh, I'm finishing up my associates right now, and then uh, I'm transferring to a different school. At which point I will continue to be working towards a bachelor's degree in English. That's really cool. Sweet. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm struggling so, with uh, just getting through my first classes throughout the day. It is a trial, I will admit. COVID didn't and help. <laughs> I am still glad I didn't go to college. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tombat, you have many, many successful stories. But yep. we're not going to talk about those yet. Okay. Not yet. Sounds good. How and when did you start reading fan fiction? Okay. Um, when is a and, bit easier to answer than how? <laughs> okay. So let let me rephrase that. What fandom drew you into fan fiction, and when? Okay. I I'm like ninety percent sure it was Percy Jackson which mm -hmm. is the primary fandom I write for. Um, I think I was probably in middle school, so it was probably around the time I read the books originally. God, that was so, so I'd say ago. I'd say like roughly a decade ago. God, that's nice. I, uh, so much. <laughs> I started right freshman year of high school, so it, it's interesting to know that a lot of us kind of a few of us have started in that same kind of time, time frame. frame of age yeah well i started i started reading fan fiction during the period between like the last olympian mm. and the lost hero coming out so i think i think i probably got into it because i was like this is good and i want more right and interesting that's, that's how i got there but I, like honestly it was so long ago that i don't remember exactly like there was no like seminal fic that I read that like got me into reading mm -hmm. fics. I I think you it would be yeah you would be very hard pressed to find someone who remembers the first fic they read. 
Because yeah. I could not tell you the first fic I read. Same. It's so many. I, it, it's so many at this point, like, and so long ago for a lot of us. I mean, I started back in 2016. Same. No, before that. Yeah. 2015. So it, we're coming up on, we're like seven years now. Yeah, seven years for me. It's It's been a wild ride for me at least. So what is your favorite fandom to read? Like, is it still Percy Jackson or is it a different fandom? Um, I'm going to be honest, and this is painful to say, it's not Percy Jackson. It's mostly because there's, it's not like massively active. And mm-hmm. I need, like, I read really fast. So I need to read a lot. Yeah, and I get that. If, like, I've read all the good fix, you know. Uh, mm. There are there are still some, but I'd say at the moment, pro- probably uh, a Song of Ice and Fire, the Game of Thrones books. Mm. That's probably my those, favorite fandom to read right now. Those can be, those are really good. I've found that if you can, if you yeah. find the gems, you, there's yeah. some really weird ones and out there ones, but they've got a really good character base, so it's really easy to just tweak and change exactly i i think there there's a lot there i mean and it it can cover all sorts of tropes so easily too like all of the big hitters are in there like Mm. if you really want to read something like a specific style you can find it in there yeah i'm not familiar with the uh song of fire and ice uh ice and fire ice and fire thank you I'm not familiar with the fandom as much, much less the lore. Like, I've read the first book, but I didn't really stick with it. Yeah, I I read through the series back in high school, and then I discovered fan fiction, and I wasn't, and I didn't really delve into A Song of Ice and Fire and Game of Thrones fix until later, mm. about senior year so about three years afterwards because mm. i was still reading actual books a lot more and then i actually deep dived into fan fiction and then i found i pulled i pulled myself out of the harry potter fandom and into a bunch of other ones and expanded my reading yeah i think that's how it goes for most people you stick with one fandom for a little bit and then once you're done reading all the good ones you branch out and you you find the crossovers, and then you start going, oh, wait a minute, this fandom's actually pretty cool. Start reading those. See, it, it was it was completely different for me. I had, I only started reading crossovers relatively recently. Mm. Um, Tom, what, like, did so, you do that too? Did you read crossovers at any point and go, this, this is an interesting fandom? Uh, I'm not much of a crossover fan because my experience with them is they're not really done well Mm -hmm. Um, yeah i think i agree with that that's kind of why i avoided them because i read i think we all read one at the beginning like mm -hmm. you check up an author's profile they have a crossover harry potter marv avengers crossover and you read it and you're like this this sucks why would i why would you read this it's the one and then you just avoid them and so i think crossovers have to be done really well 
luckily yeah. we're in a server of fantastic crossover writers so yeah. that's really helped with expanding the crossover my crossover reading but back on to questions do you have a favorite author right now uh no i i read so much like i said i like i don't it's it's impossible for me to pick a favorite um Yeah, yeah, no, I, I really don't. I just, I read such a wide variety of uh, fix mm -hmm. that, um, I'll tell you what, though, there is, there is one up and coming author that I'm really enjoying their work. Uh, Meth Wishes. <laughs> yeah, his 7 1 has really, it, it, it just speaks to you on a different level. Yeah. Crossover really of the does. century. Yeah. Uh, starting with the end is a concept i've never seen before and i'm really excited to see how the story starts yeah i like the jumps from other from backwards to description to uh plot being in the very beginning that should be in the middle yeah so at some point in your reading journey you had the idea that you wanted to you had an idea and you decided to hey i'm gonna write this down and publish it when did you do that how okay. soon after starting so um not this isn't well known i've talked about it before um in the past not not in like any of my stories but i actually wrote and published a fan fiction story on a different account before I started writing as Combat Tombat. Mm -hmm. So back in, I want to say, early 2016, um, I was I was in Peru, uh, in a mine in the Andes, visiting my dad. And I was bored out of my mind, and I had nothing to do. So I started writing a story uh, for the Fallout fandom. Uh, I don't know why. I think I... It, it was probably into the beginning of me playing Fallout 4, so that was fresh on my mind. Good game. But I wrote and published a story for that. The game, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I wrote and published a story for that. And then about the time I finished that story, I was back in Peru again. And this is when I really, really got into the Percy Jackson fan fiction. Mm -hmm. And because we had gotten Heroes of Olympus, we had finally gotten New Rome and all of that and i was looking for roman percy stories i just couldn't find any it was really bothering me because it's such an interesting concept right and uh it and there's just there wasn't many and the really good ones were abandoned and the rest were just not good mm -hmm. so uh of I'd, every reader I'd, <laughs> I'd say i'd say like mid mid 2016 i just had this moment where i was like this story doesn't exist, but I want it to, so I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. And what made you uh, decide to go with a different account and everything, like swap to a brand new thing? Um, you know, the best answer I can give is that I was 16. Okay. I, I, think, <laughs> I think really, like, and this is something I struggle with now, is that I don't want to be associated with, like, one fandom. Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't, I don't like, I didn't want people to like 
who had read my fallout story to be like why is he writing for a children's series now yeah and just like and just not give it a chance so i i created a, a second account i ended up mm-hmm. deleting the original um account now, yeah story though i still have the the full document i actually found that recently oh boy but yeah that was a trip has your like uh style changed from back then to now yeah i'm a lot better at writing dialogue uh it's actually really interesting one of the things is that the lengths of my chapters have like doubled and tripled mm-hmm. and even quadrupled in some cases uh but like structurally my writing's fairly similar i just flow a lot better than mm. i used to yeah it's interesting to see that with authors progression as they write i the only story that i can think of instead of like following like multiple like fix by a certain author where it happened in one story is um the dragon cup by alperez 16 where you could tell you could just watch as you're reading you can tell they get better and better and better and better to the point where they're at now they do the first chapters are rough i've I've never made it through the first few chapters the first few chapters are rough but the rest of the story it it gets significantly better it gets to where the level they're at now it's not all the same level so give it a chance skip the first couple of chapters you don't miss much honestly that that's kind of the problem that's kind of the sad part is you can get the gist of everything from the summary for like the first four chapters Mm. okay interesting um yeah no i see that too with some authors that like first chapter is like 600 words second chapter is like 900 and then third chapter is like 2000 out of nowhere yeah, so when I was writing, um, when I when I was doing uh, Son of Neptune, mm-hmm. I think the by chapter ten, I was writing like a thousand word chapters, and yeah. then by the end, I had, I had made it to two thousand word chapters, and that was like a big deal for me. And now I can't imagine writing anything less than two thousand words. Yeah, it, it's like a, a struggle. Mm. It's like it's a struggle sometimes just to get to that point. You're just like in the beginning once you get to it you're like okay now i can publish this and then later on time get better and better and better you, Two thousand words is just the beginning i mean there's a reason there's, i rewrote it yeah there's also the aspect of for new writers especially don't be intimidated by authors who are putting out 2k plus chapters publish your 600 word chapter publish your sub 1k like go for it just write don't don't beat yourself up because you're not posting stellaris sized chapters you don't have to do that yeah as long as your story is good you're you're good yeah i don't think i would have uh i don't think i would have written at like at all if i had started off by trying to write 2000 plus word chapters i i started where i was comfortable and i worked my way up to where i was confident enough in my skills yeah to to start publishing you know beefier content it, it just it feels gross when you you're forcing yourself to write a lot more just to fit that criteria of of 2000 word chapters 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's like I, I go to school and I'm told to write with like 1,800 words minimum. Now I can do it, but like back then, first started writing stories and whatnot, I couldn't do that. It's crazy, 1,800 words. Yeah, it's, well, and I always have this conversation with people when they ask me, like, I say people, my family. Yeah. I, I, I used to have this argument with my with my parents when they'd be like, well, you're able to write all these, like, stories, you're able to write so many words, why are you struggling with an essay? And there's something so fundamentally different about when you're writing something you enjoy and you're writing something you have to. Oh, yeah, for sure. I have you have to force yourself to write, sit there and write an essay, use documents and whatnot. It's just, there's no it also motivation. Occurs with reading too. Like you've got a book that you need to read for school, mm-hmm. and it's fifteen hundred. It's four hundred pages, like size thirteen font, and you're like, "Yep, I." It took me two months to read that. You just read a half million word fan fiction in like three days well i was actually interested in that yeah um yeah it's writing it's having to sit there and read and write it just gets too much sometimes too it's like so that that draws into another question how do you deal with writer's block (laughs) um so uh i have like so many projects that whenever i find myself struggling with one there's something else i can work on right so my my method is that when i'm unable to focus on a story that i i should be working on um i write something else you know Mm -hmm. it might be it might be a different story in the same fandom it might be a different story in a different fandom uh but i found that i'm able to for the most part get through most cases of writer's block by just turning my focus to something else taking a step back and then coming back when my mind is ready for it it's not always the case i very famously had like a three-month hiatus four-month hiatus i think it was three months uh in the middle of writing Philae deorum where at the end of November, I was like, I'm going to take December off because, you know, exams, right, holidays, uh, Christmas, birthday, stuff like that. And then uh, I didn't come back until like after Valentine's Day, which had not been my plan, but that's just what happened. happened yeah. Yeah, I feel a lot of apology. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, doesn't affect me. I'm reading this after it's public, fully published. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I enjoy seeing authors that uh take a break and whatnot. It makes that next chapter that shows up really like like yes, it's here. You read it and then you're like, Great, now I gotta wait again, but it's worth it. Um it, I was I was very lucky I started reading the Roman Percy stories after most of them had like two or three books, so I can just jump to the second book as the third one's being finished. Yeah, it's uh writing that one is a is a experience. <laughs> um yeah, I mean you're fr- uh, the first one uh I'm going to say this wrong, uh Imperator. Um 
the first one, one of my favorite Roman Percy ones, uh, just because it has just the way you set up everything. And I specifically planned it out to read it when you were starting the second one. Um, so yeah, that way well, I knew. <laughs> so uh, for comparison, Vos Bellicosum, which is the rewrite of Son of Neptune, mm -hmm. Um, or it, it's more accurate to say Vos Bellicosum and Philae Deorum, so book one and book two yeah. are both a rewrite of uh, Son of Neptune. But in Son of Neptune, by the time we reach chapter two, yeah, we've covered everything that I covered in Vos Bellicosum. In yes. 20, 24 <laughs> chapters, something like that. But it felt a little bit. It felt a lot better. It felt more like drawn out in ways where I could like you can appreciate it. I wrote a story. Yeah. Instead of instead of telling it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's like yeah, you get to experience it. There's a so. there's a huge difference between in movies. It's called show don't tell, but in writing, it's so much different because you can't actually show what you're trying to describe. Yeah. So you can't just hold up, hold up, pick up Percy and go, this is Percy now. And everyone's like, yeah, but we can't see that. And so it, it's the fine line between too much information and not enough information. And it's razor thin. And I think you nailed it on on the Imperator series. I didn't I have not read. I did not read Son of Neptune. The so anything <laughs> yeah so like it's not I, bad yeah but uh but like it, the only reason you would really have to read it now is if you wanted to see how my writing has changed between mm -hmm. when i was 16 and you know now I, yeah and now um going off of that information uh do, have you ever like struggled with writing too much information when writing a scene or a chapter just like no this is just too much yeah actually it happens uh not frequently but it happens enough that uh especially when i was writing philae deorum i would mm. write something really really cool mm. and i'd look at it and i'd be like i hate to do this but <laughs> this has to go um or you know sometimes i do different things i think uh one of the things I learned to do is whenever I was writing too much, I would break what I was writing into a new chapter. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things. Uh, I am weird in that I don't really uh, plan what I'm going to write right you know yeah i, I do I the go, same thing like i've only i only recently started outlining and even then i don't outline for all of my projects mm. um most of most of my stories start with an idea and then i build up uh from that as my dogs start fighting behind me <laughs> uh so it's it, i find it hard to write too much to be honest because i never know what i'm gonna do Right. 
Yeah, so, I, 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 so I, with the Imperator series was the idea of total control Roman Percy. Was that the basis of the idea or was it just Roman Percy? Uh, or should it, I say correct? Was Son of Neptune's idea just Roman Percy? Yeah, so it it really was just Roman Percy, but the way I went at it uh, is the way I go at most of my stories, and that like even with like suspension of disbelief, certain things have to make sense to mm-hmm. me, right? And and I I felt that with a Roman Percy raised Roman, you know, um, certain certain parts of his character would change because. Uh, different cultures different upbringing right different perspective on uh on his powers on his on his parent Mm. and stuff like that yeah no that's a good point i mean because we see in son of neptune and mark of athena poseidon's not really the most respected in new rome and i feel like you you nailed that showcase of they respect percy in the sense that they're afraid of what he can do but they're not going to show him proper like respect as just because he's a child big three like they do at camp half-blood where they kneel and they kind of look towards him to do all these big flashy things and fights and to solve a lot of the problems because he's one of the most powerful yeah, and I, that's actually one of the things I had a lot of fun with is because I got to dive into Roman culture and I've mm. always loved Roman history um, as seen by my writing. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, like the Greeks, even, you know, Rick's depiction of the big three isn't entirely correct. Yeah. You know, um, the idea of trios is certainly something that appears in in the Greco-Roman mythology, but mm. for Rome, it was really the uh, the Capitoline tri- uh, triad, which is Jupiter, um, Mars, and Minerva. Uh, yeah. So Zeus, Ares, and, uh, and Athena. Athena. And it was it was really interesting because I was able to explore the concept that like yes. He is one of the elder Olympians. Yes, he is one of the more powerful ones. But to a to a people like the Romans, who you know, predominantly admired strength, uh, ingenuity, mm, justice, uh, martial martial prowess, stuff like mm. that. The idea that like w- what the Greeks would consider lesser gods. Um, having more prominence amongst the people was a really interesting thing to explore. Right. Yeah, it was, uh, cause like, I, I was always irked a little bit by the way, uh, Rorden, uh, wrote Son of Neptune and they write, he writes this description about the temple, but he really doesn't go too much depth into it. And I was just like, okay, yeah. it'd be kind of cool to see a little bit more of that. Like personally, I, it's like, I, I have so many thoughts about, his new Rome. Yeah. I, oh man, it, it, I, I mean, it bothered me so much that I built the entire thing up from the ground. Yeah. It, it wasn't the best. And it's like, it, it sucks because it was such a great idea. You know, you got this. Exactly. It's such a, it's such a good one. concept yeah. to build off of. And no offense to any of you guys, you guys are not amateur writers, 
but when amateur writers can do a better new Rome than the original creator, it says a lot. Yeah. yeah. I think the problem with New Rome is that he wanted it to, you know, he wanted it to be the opposite of Camp Half Blood, but then he didn't give it the same attention that he gave Camp yeah. Half Blood. It's all it's all very surface level. That like when you look at well, Camp Half Blood, like there's life. It it makes sense, yeah. right? New Rome doesn't make sense. Even again with the suspension of disbelief, you know, we're dealing with demigods oh, and damn. legacies and stuff. Magic. Even with that, even even with the suspension of disbelief, New Rome doesn't make sense. No, it felt weird. It felt like okay, there's these kids that are running the city and everything. It's how it sort of felt as it was explained. Or the kids were in the Legion, and then after they serve their time, they go adults. right to politics. Yeah. The adults don't. The it's... adults aren't involved. Yeah. Like, the, the Senate in canon is uh, the Praetors, mm. two children, uh, and I think it was ten senators. Five of them are the Centurions, children. Yeah. And then five of them are, are former legionaries. Yeah. So and then you have all the dead ghost ones. I... Uh, yeah, and then all the ghosts. So you have a council of 12 plus ghosts, of which seven are children, yeah. running a city large enough to have a university, large enough to have you know housing districts, yeah, markets, cafes, stuff like that, which yeah. just don't economy. <laughs> yeah. But how? How children... is the economy? <laughs> Like, yeah, I mean, th that's the thing is Camp Half-Blood makes sense because Riordan made it very clear in the first series that demigods have a short lifespan. Yeah. And so Drachma and all that were like, oh, yeah, we use it to communicate. That's about all we use it for because otherwise it's completely worthless. We're not mm. going on Olympus. We're not spending money. Mm all of the shit at camp half blood is provided to us by the gods because yeah that's what we need and so it was very it was very clear in what the intentions were of create a safe haven for demigods to get through their teens and maybe survive but then it but then it poses the question of why is Percy's generation of demigods the first ones to survive into adulthood it seems yeah whereas generations before were in relative times of peace compared to Percy's yeah it, it, it just kind of blows that and then the whole aspect of in the seconds in the heroes of Olymp in the yeah in, Heroes the, of Olympus. Uh, in the heroes of Olympus series they have in Chiron's office, they have all of the pictures of successful demigods and they're all adults and athletes and all mm. this stuff. And it's like, keep your cannon straight, my guy. Yeah. yeah he fell into that trap. I, I think, I mean, yeah, I, like, I think Rick is a great author, but I also think that, uh, you know, he's, a little too driven by his own success mm. which isn't a bad thing per no. se but uh, consistency is something he struggles with and you know that's hard mm. I, I will admit that, that's hard writing but, five books oh, i'm not i'm not yeah. dissing him for it no, i'm just saying that it 
it's strange. It's not strange because the time gaps between all of the different books being released. I mean, to expect Mm -hmm. him to retain all of that knowledge whilst having a family running, publishing these books, publishing, doing all that, dealing with all the other BS he has to do, as opposed to some fan fan who is whose biggest pressing matter is passing calculus yeah and can memorize every little bit about it and point out every plot hole inconsistency and all that can't expect that out of the man but yeah Yeah, because how long was it in between most of the books like a year and a half two years yeah i think the original series was like Two two thousand six to two thousand ten nine nine two thousand two thousand five to two thousand ten two thousand nine something like that yeah and then and then there was like two or three years in between in between and then he picked up again and I, again like to be fair like it's, it's, to an extent there are some things that I can forgive in terms of consistency because yeah. I understand that like you know when you're writing it's it's sometimes hard to remember but yeah but i th- I think the big issue is, is he, he set like a hard timeline of mm. events the original series take place between 2005 and uh 2009 i believe and yeah. then heroes of olympus take place uh starting at the end of 2009 through mm. 2000 like of 2010 yeah the problem then is you get into trials of apollo which i <laughs> full disclosure have not read will not read refuse to acknowledge uh, exactly i read the beyond fear. beyond their, beyond their it's one good contribution which was the germani mm. i i do not care for trials of apollo but um th- this is when rick was uh he was trying to stay relevant so he was trying to include all the things that were popular at the time but the problem is is when you look at the timeline all the things that are like popular are things that happen eight years after when the story is supposed to be taking place. Yeah. It just doesn't line up. Yeah, it, it just, it didn't work and it was awkward. And that's the general consensus I got is like, people like the books from what I understand mm. with certain exceptions to certain events, but they, things just felt weird. Yeah. When, uh, first book you you meet some of the returning characters that just felt so forced and it was like yay they're here I, but like why i we said it in the last the last episode of how how we kind of and i said explicitly if riordan wanted to continue in the in the series he could have just posted a tweet or released a short story saying pretty much encapsulating all of the characters lived happily ever after mm-hmm. and continued on with their lives. And then he could have started off with a whole host of new characters. He oh, could yeah. have gone back in time. He could have done a, so much more of just keeping the, the characters that we have grown up with. A lot of us grew up with these characters. Most and so keeping those beloved characters just kind of in this little glass box and occasionally like peeking in on them saying, oh, yep, yeah, they're good. Cool. Bye. And then putting the case back on them. I think he would have been better off just leaving mm. those characters alone and just creating a whole host of new characters and and still call and and he couldn't call 
and Trials of Apollo is not even yeah because Heroes of Olympus was not Percy Jackson Mm-mm. series it was Heroes of Olympus yeah and and he could they... have gone sorry go ahead yeah and he could have gone back in time I think the Civil War like between the Romans and the Greeks would have been fascinating for him to do he's got a more mature audience now he he can he can do stuff like that of tackling the uh, what a civil war between two warring factions of ideas would look like in between the greeks and the romans that would be fascinating like i would have loved to see that out of him or hell like time skip up to 2019 and have trials of apollo but don't include any of the other characters have them pop in like oh man they arrive at camp and the camp's a buzz because percy freaking jackson was just here he just left yeah he taught us he taught his wednesday afternoon sword class you just missed him and the characters are like who the hell is percy jackson yeah and like, you know that's the great thing about what what could have been you know is is uh it, it's almost like um and this this example may not resonate with everyone but uh critical role you know what they what they oh. do with each mm-hmm. season is is they don't necessarily change the setting but they move the timeline yes so, so i yeah, think they move season, forward season two takes place like 20 30 years after season one and some of the characters who appeared in the original season show up you know they're older they have different responsibilities a lot of the times it helps explain why they aren't the ones doing things and that's entirely well, something you can do with older characters you know you if, when you move the a... timeline forward nine years you know to 2019 you now have a 26 year old percy maybe he's married with a kid on the way and that's why he's not the one going out on this quest yeah you know there's so many and... ways that you can bring the characters back without forcing them into the story with critical role too matt mercer explicitly told told the cast and everyone involved there will be as little tie-ins to season one as possible and because he didn't want to alienate a new audience because he Mm -hmm. knew that starting at episode one people are going to want to come in and understand the story so if it's oh this is grog's son and you need to know everything about grog to know this character no you didn't have that it was completely different it was a completely host completely new host of characters and all that and they did it really well we just nerded out massively yeah <laughs> yeah love critical role. yeah um but yeah back to some questions mm-hmm. um we did get a little bit off topic but yeah. it was fun this is that's why we that's why we have this podcast is the questions are just here to get us off topic yeah that's why we have the uh hour 30 block Point so in time, then. we've talked a lot about percy jackson and mm. would it but here's the real question what is your favorite fandom to write in is it percy jackson um I, I think so, yeah. I, most of my projects, most of my fic projects are Percy Jackson. Mm. 
Yeah, I'm looking at your profile. It's mostly all just Percy Jackson. Oh, all, all mm-hmm. my stories, with the exception of one, are all Percy Jackson stories. Yeah. But I'm not even talking about, like, published works. I'm talking about, like, just stories in In the general. back burner, yeah. Like, let me... <laughs> Six. Eight. For those who are uh, wondering... 20... I've got 21 Percy Jackson projects, yeah. active, planned, and just like <laughs> out there. Yeah. Nice. Um, when you when you go All to right, pick, so... like, what do you? Uh, how do you decide to like publish or like work on? Uh, when you're working on something, go like, do you get to like a certain point and then go, I, I'm going to publish this, or is it like you put it on a wheel and if it lands on that, you're publishing that? Uh, it depends. So, I I have a I have a strict plan at the moment for mm. what I'm publishing, uh, in terms of Percy Jackson specifically, just right. because um, because I have so much stuff and I I have so much stuff planned out for mm. what I want to write. So like for example, uh, my my two active Percy Jackson I say active they've both haven't been updated for a while but uh, Firstborn. Right. Uh, for Troy and Go Into the Water. And so Go Into the Water started as a side project while I was doing uh, Philae Deorum mm-hmm. in that I needed something that wasn't Imperator. And so, uh, and I'd just seen Aquaman when I started writing it. And that went mm-hmm. through like three iterations before it landed on what it is. And I wrote. I want to say the first 10 chapters of that over the summer of 2019. Mm. And uh, and then I reached a point with Philae Deorum where I was just like, I need to not do this. So that's when I started publishing Go Into the Water. But uh, at the moment, I, I do have a, a scheduled release plan for my stories. Mm-hmm. I just need to write them first. Right. So the, the Imperator books for instance uh i'm not gonna publish those until i've fully written them Mm -hmm. just because i i do consider those to be my seminal works in in the fit community Um, i would say those are the fix you're most known for yeah yeah that and eternal um my first one that i read of yours yeah that's a lot of people's was eternal um so yeah my uh the imperator books will be fully written before i release them but that means they'll be released on a consistent schedule Mm -hmm. um, which people tend to like but go into the water once i start writing that again i will i'll probably be releasing that like as i finish each chapter right Um, i want to get a couple chapters pre-written before before i start posting in just so i have a little grace period uh any other stories that I decide to publish, whether they're Percy Jackson or for other fandoms, will most likely uh, be, you know, posted as I finish each chapter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great segue into another question: Do you have any fandoms that you have on your radar that you're you're itching to write a fic for? Uh, three. Yeah. Do you uh, care to share? Yeah. I, I will. So there's the Fallout fandom, uh, mm-hmm. which, you know, I've, I've always loved the games. Yeah, they're great, you've great got story the, You've got the uh, Elder Scrolls one. 
So I, I mean, do. you need the Fallout one to accompany it. That's the other one, the Elder Scrolls. So I have four planned stories in the Elder Scrolls, or I have four stories in the Elder Scrolls. One of them is the one I've published. Right. Which, uh, funny story, I published and deleted that story twice before publishing it for a third time. Mm. Um, <laughs> and actually, I think I, when I originally published that story the first time, it was on my original account that I also published my first Fallout story on. Uh, but so I have those four. I have those four stories. Um, I have the Fallout games, which I think is like five. Mm -hmm. It's like it's between three and five. I don't quite remember. And then uh, a Song of Ice and Fire, the Game of Thrones books. I right. have five projects right now. Damn. Just a lot. It really is like it is. It is a problem where I will be sitting there, and like the wind will blow a different direction and I'll have a new idea for a story. <laughs> well, there's a, uh, uh, Brendan, if you're in the chat, you can drink TBR has the blacks resurgence has said multiple times that he's got so many story ideas. He could write a new story every year till he's, he could write two new stories every year up until the day he dies and he would still have un uncomplete ideas. So I, I think you're in a good boat with a lot of authors have so many ideas and you see it a lot with like the two chapters, like fix that haven't been updated in two years. And it's like, I really shouldn't be updating posting this, but I couldn't not write it. So here you go. Yeah. And it's like two chapters and they abandoned it. And it's like, yeah. Oh, this was a really good concept. Continue. We I try not to but abandon they stories. I I've I've done it once, mm. like like fully abandoned a story. I've done it once, and I uh, never again. What story was it? Um. Oh God. Uh, blood and something. I don't even remember what it's called. It was it, one of the first three stories I wrote. I think I made it like three or four chapters in, and then deleted it. Mm. Um. And it like it, it didn't even get a rewrite. So like I've deleted <laughs> stories in the past. Uh, very famously, Children of the Gods, which was the sequel to Son of Neptune. Mm -hmm. um, and shout out to Beats for finding that because I actually have the story again uh, after like several years of not even having the documents. Yeah, um, Beats. Yeah, Beats yeah. has resurfaced a few stories. I mean. Heck, I'm working off of the Beats PDF of Sentinel. So, <laughs> but, speaking of yeah. which, I really do need to update that. It's a good story. My my philosophy now <laughs> is that um, thanks. I, I don't I don't delete. I always uh, like if I'm gonna stop writing a story, I stop writing a story. But I I will never delete a story again. Mm. Uh, chances I... are I'm gonna rewrite something I've already written. I appreciate that because there's nothing more annoying than an author having a 37 chapter story that you really enjoyed and sure you can see a few flaws in it but the author just did not like it them deleting it starting a rewrite getting four chapters in and just Stopping. disappearing off the face of the earth and you don't even have the original one anymore and so it's kind of it's comforting to know at least you won't be doing that. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, that's what happened with 
children of the gods and i actually recently reposted it onto my profile just like the entire master document so mm -hmm. every single chapter is just one chapter and it was really funny because mm -hmm. it told me a lot about the reading skills of the people reading my story because i put at the very top the story was finished i wasn't going to update it i wasn't going to bring it back i was just posting it for posterity's sake and I got like 12 reviews asking when I was going to update it. <laughs> it's like people will skip the I think, top section and the bottom sections. of. Fiction. I think fan fiction readers have trained themselves. A lot of them have trained themselves to skip bolded words. Which it's like I find that bizarre because I won't like if I don't have anything to say. Why I put it in? Yeah. Anything. Right. Yeah. So whenever I put author's notes, it's either because I have something to say or it's just some like extra information the first like it first that, born, that doesn't need to fit in the story like i yeah. i put in chat one of the chapters of sentinel i had a specific idea of the gun percy was using like <laughs> vividly and so i wasn't gonna pull the oh he was carrying this gun as he did no 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 i just said rifle and that they in the author note i said i put the model and what the gun looked like because if people care they'll read the author note if they don't they'll exactly. skip over it yeah and no, so I it's did... the information is out there so people if they do reread through it they'll have an idea of oh yeah that's what he's carrying yeah which is why it's really funny because i don't normally like write my author's notes with the intention that people will read them but Whenever I need people to read my author's note, at the very top of the chapter, bolded, all caps, read the author's note mm -hmm. without fail. That's like, I know I have to do that because otherwise people just aren't going to listen. At this point, in I'm the middle thinking... of the chapter, read yeah. author's note. <laughs> I, I think... No, I, I, actually, you just brought up something that really, really irks me. I will die on this hill. Anyone who interrupts a story to put in a mid chapter note deserves to be put down <laughs> like i i nothing... downloaded ad blocker explicitly because ff.net was putting ads in the middle of fucking stories and it was pissing me off i, I don't even care about that i'm talking about yeah. authors who interrupt their stories to be like you uh, you always it's used so to bad. see it with the really shitty ones yeah. where they put like hey, yeah see what i did there it's like it makes me so mad dude, I, like, I, I you're just not read you're not Cusco in the emperor's new groove you're not deadpool yeah you don't break the fourth wall out of the first story <laughs> you can break the fourth wall at the end of your story because your the story you were telling or that section of it is done this is at the end when you put that last period in after that, you're free to talk mm -hmm. all you want. Doesn't mean I have to fucking read it, but exactly. No, I've literally stopped reading great stories because of that. Yeah, no, I do the same thing. I, like, I've I... seen, Oof. I've seen authors in um, mostly inheritance cycle ones where they'll put um, after like using the ancient language, they'll put like an asterisk and a one next to it mm -hmm. so that way yeah. you can like scroll down to the end and or they'll put like a one yeah. or something and an asterisk and that'll be like oh okay so the author has something they want to tell me later yeah that's what i i like that it's not 
I don't care what your thoughts are now. I want to have my own thoughts while I read this. Yeah. I I don't do that. I just put the, I'll, I'll put the translations at the end, but I never mm. mark the fact that I'm going to translate it. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. actually, I'm no, I'm going to get a little off topic here, but that brings up a Fine. really good point about writing uh, foreign languages, because it's something I see a lot in that, uh, especially in Game of Thrones fix, when people use Valerian, they'll immediately follow it with like the English translation, uh, normally in like parentheses. I hate that. Mm. I'd like if well, unless, here's the like, deal: if, if, if your character write, can, if, if well, your character yeah, can't speak Valerian or read it, there shouldn't be a translation. have it be in. There shouldn't be a translation because the author, the reader, is reading is reading the story through their eyes. Exactly. If the character can speak or read it, have it them should say, be written in the language. It should say it should be written in English. And it should say they said in Valerian. Exactly. Oh man, that is how you time. do it. Like you don't need to put in Valerian randomly just to show that hey, it's a I did the research and yeah. I uh, I figured out how to do this shit. So uh, look, and it's like nah, man. If you're gonna do it for like the dragon commands of Valerian, don't include a fucking translation. We yeah. know that Sauvignon means fly. <laughs> no, exactly. And Dracarys means fire. You don't need to put fire in parentheses next to it. Like Yeah. Or or like italicized like in the outside of the quotations. That's mm, the one yeah, I see no. a lot. Um, no, yeah. it, oh. it's the unneeded. Only... It it's padding the only your word exception count. to the rule is like you said, is when when like we know what the word is like regardless of context but uh yeah words that also become like the w word for what they're describing like in latin gladius right just means sword yeah you know yeah it doesn't mean any specific sword it just means sword and then there's specific types of gladii but uh yeah but, like that's really the only reason you would use a foreign language um in in writing without translating it yeah, there's well known um, words are yeah. a okay, especially even if it's a made up language. Well known words are fine because you have to you have to give the reader the benefit of the doubt that they actually may know something. I do I do enjoy it when like I, I was reading this uh, one PGO fic. I forget what it was. It's one of those crack fics that you read at like two a.m. Um, and it was like first you're struggling to say something in Italian, and then they uh they put the translations for what he was trying to say, uh, but they had it done by Annabeth. I was like, okay, you know what? That's pretty cool. Have Annabeth translate what Percy's trying to say, so you kind of get the translation thing without interrupting the story. And you can do that. You could have the the foreign language text and then have another character translate it. Yeah. So. You don't need to have the translated for the reader and then not translate it for the protagonist. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, Sorry, so I got real off topic. No, that. no, that's fine. Oh no, came, dude, dude, that's mind. I have to say point, it. Yeah. Half the point, this, this podcast we may have questions but as i said earlier 
they're designed to get us off topic because off topics for the fun conversations happen. But onto an interesting topic, is there a fandom you will not touch with a six foot pole or even longer that you will never write a story in? Uh, yes, but it's not because I don't like the fandom. It's just because I don't think I could do it justice. And okay. it's, uh, it's Avatar, the Avatar fandom. Ah. Uh. Oh, I, interesting. I just, I just don't think that I could write a good story. The the one with the like, the kid with the arrows or the blue people one. The kid with the arrows, the okay. Last Airbender. Okay. Like I just like, there are great fix in that one. That's that's a fandom oh, I yeah. really enjoy reading fix for as well. But like I just like, based on the setting, I don't think I could write a good story for it. You know, because I feel like I would make it too different from what the mm-hmm. tone is supposed to be. Which, to be fair, like that's part of the reason people write fix, but it would just feel wrong to me. Yeah, so there's, there's I, I don't think line. I'm ever, I don't think I'm ever gonna write a fix for that. Also, well, probably the Harry Potter books. I don't think I'm ever gonna write a Harry Potter fix. Okay, that's fair. Any reason for that? Just, I mean, same reason. Like one, like one of the main reasons I got into writing fix is that I, I wanted to read stories that weren't there. So I wrote them myself. And Harry Potter. And Harry <laughs> and that, Potter. That's not you an can... issue with Harry Potter. You can find whatever oh the hell you God. want. You can. Yeah. Yeah. You can. For better or for worse, you can for find worse. whatever you want in that. So yeah, Out of I like. 842,000. Do... Yeah, I don't think I'd do Avatar any justice, and I just don't see the need for Harry Potter. Mm hmm. Okay. It's a tough, it's a tough fandom. There's so much, like, into Avatar and Harry Potter. Like, at first, I did not touch it. I did not read it because I felt so, like, just over, over encumbered with all of it. I was, like, told I had to read these stories. Now I'm fine with it. Um, but I think it's, uh, time we can bring in some questions from, uh, the audience and fans. So, first question from Ash. Is there a pairing that you like for Go Into the Water, and why do you like it? Um, you know, I feel like that's a way to get me to commit to a pairing for a story I famously haven't committed to a pairing for. <laughs> There's a couple I like. Mm-hmm. I like them thematically because that one's that one's a fun story to write and you know there's so many different ways I can go with it to the point I still haven't decided though I'm narrowing down uh I can answer I can answer that question by telling you what pairing isn't going to happen and that's perfect that's that's the one I'm not Percy and Annabeth are not getting together in that story all right cool so we've we've got a question from dan what you kind of answered it but you but i'm gonna ask it anyways what gave you the inspiration for roman percy yeah i I mean again like new rome was there uh i wanted to read roman percy stories and the big thing like i said with those ones they were either unfinished or bad Mm -hmm. um but I, I I wanted to do I wanted to I wanted it to make sense you know because the right. big thing I always see with or saw with Roman Percy stories was that they they went one of t- two ways right 
and these branch off into little segments as well they either had percy as the son of neptune raised alongside jason mm. with a with a different god slash goddess being his patron the same way juno was jason's and then they had them doing like everything together basically being like the twins of rome or whatever right i actually yeah. think that was one of the stories that one, um, i think it was yeah I, I read or, that where it was where he was a son of jupiter yeah and it was or, like or they had percy being like jason's exact opposite and that like jason was fifth cohort so percy's first cohort uh you know jason's super popular so percy's unpopular and it's like none of that made sense to me mm. you know like the, the, some of them were genuinely good stories but they just like nothing made sense and in my mind like percy is the son of neptune neptune is respected but feared right right and he's he's more feared than he is respected so a son of neptune showing up especially with the history camp jupiter has with uh earthquakes sons of neptune yeah with with neptune in general but earthquakes in particular like he's not going to be like a, a a choice pick you know which is why i put him in the fourth cohort because it didn't mm -hmm. make sense like he's not going to end up in the fifth because no one's going to want that much power demigod power oh, concentrated one cohort, one yeah. cohort. But he's also, like, the first isn't going to take him because he's the son of Neptune. The second isn't going to take him because the first isn't going to take him. So it was really a toss-up between the third and the fourth. And I chose the fourth in the end because it just, it just logically made sense to me. Um, All right. So since we're still on Imperator, yeah. Um, did you ever consider uh, Leela for no, the final pairing? No. So, okay. Roman Percy was always going to be Percy and Reyna for, mm. from the beginning. Like, I went into that story knowing two things. Percy is Roman and he's going to get with Reyna. Only two things I knew about going into those stories originally. So Layla was never a serious contender uh, out of universe. Mm. In universe, I'm sure the thought crossed Percy's mind at some point. I don't know. Okay. One so... more from Ash is uh, which story do you like more, Impurator or Get Into Water? So I don't like one more than the other. I like them differently. As I've said, I think the Imperator series is really like my seminal thick work, mm -hmm. right? So I put a ton of effort into it, which is like Fele Deorum uh, and every story going forward is going to have a minimum 5K word chapter, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I think it's my best writing. I think it's my most entertaining writing or not most entertaining, most engaging writing. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think it's probably going to be the story I'm remembered for or the series I'm remembered for. Go Into the Water is like my personal uh, fun fic. It started as just something for me to do that wasn't Imperator. And I, I enjoy writing it because mm. I don't hold myself to the same standards that I do for Imperator. Right. I just... Um, so I love them both. I don't, I don't have a favorite. They, they each fulfill a different purpose for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I okay, so... do you want to do Beat's question or Stella's question? Um, Stella's question's first half. So you answered you answered most of Stella's question. Um, I'll read it all out. Uh, yeah. What drew you into getting into fan fiction? You already answered that, or writing in general. That one, I'm going to ask. What did draw you into writing? Was it just you're super creative and you can't draw? or what um 
So I, I'd, I'd never written before I started writing fix. Um, I've read a lot. Mm-hmm. And I, I, it really is that I wanted to read stories that didn't exist. So I just, I decided to write them. I, I like, I, I am, I'm sure I had written something as like a school project beforehand, but like writing fix was really my first step into writing. Mm. Um, so second half of the question, how do you keep it from becoming a chore? Exactly. Is and it yeah, just time I, management? I, um, so I love writing. I, I love writing so much that like I have decided it is what I want to do with my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very hard for me to find it to be a chore. I find sometimes stories can be a chore, but writing itself, it, it is, it's stress relief for me. That's I weird. mean, I, I spend most of my free time writing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, that also, yeah, it ties in with beats. Of every story you've ever written, which one are you the most proud of? Uh, Feli de Orem. Mm-hmm. Again, I, I at the moment I think it's it's probably my best written story. Mm-hmm. Not without its flaws, but right, like, yeah, it is. It's probably my best written story. You will never find a harsher critic than the creator. Yeah. yeah. I I think every creator of anything art art writing anything will point out every flaw in it and the enjoyers of said art will always point out we don't care the rest is so good that it covers up the flaws yeah yeah no i i've actually uh i'm very comfortable with the story most of the flaws quote unquote that i see with it are grammatical Mm -hmm. typos like I, I stand by it's it's my best written story, mm-hmm. um, maybe not like literally mm-hmm. in terms of writing, but like in terms of the story, it's my best one. Right. And so I have no issues with it. I defend that story. I will I will defend that story to the death. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's, it's up just, there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I'm going to interject with my own question because we're rapidly running out of questions from the audience so ask more questions please (laughs) um so is that because it's been a significant time break in between since honestly continuing that the third the two book two and a half has not come out are you slightly intimidated of how how can you continue this story yeah is is that a slight bit of why you're hesitant to continue or a little i um i am working on it i finished three chapters of roughly 10 is my estimate so far but that is subject to change um part of it is that i uh i'm like the muse isn't quite there so i know what i want to do i'm just really struggling to do it and and part of it is is i'm like i need this to be the greatest thing i've ever written because it has to follow up one of i i think it's my second most popular story on fanfiction.net in terms of favorites and follows um which says something considering number one you know has been on the website since 2000 
2017, 2018, something like that. Mm-hmm. So part of it's intimidation. Part of it is uh, I'm not quite there in terms of the motivation to really sit down and write it. Right. Uh, quick little question from uh, uh, they asked, are you Australian? I am Australian. Uh, I've lived in the United States and in, in Texas specifically for the past 13 years. 14 years so my accent is sometimes harder to place uh but it it comes out in force occasionally yeah um so para has a good question we're not asking his second question um what you've you've mentioned you don't have a favorite author but do you have any authors you're keeping an eye on in the pjo fandom specifically like uh, that you're yes itching for more of their work yes there's um two because their stories are just uh fantastic um just a simple writer one and some random guy 23 both of those are pertamous stories uh just a simple writer did a uh, percy jackson in age gone by which deals with reincarnation. It's fantastic. If you haven't read it, you should. Half of the story is set during Alexander the Great's wars in uh, against the Persian Empire, and the other half of the story is set in the era of the PJO books. And then um, some random guy twenty three did Arai, which is I I don't know how to describe it other than it's really good and I really enjoy it. So leading in from that since those are both both pertamous what do you have a favorite pairing out um, there like okay or will so, you just read anything that's good i'll read anything that's good but i do have a caveat to that um mm. i tend not to read pertamous stories because they're normally really bad mm. I, again it falls into like if it doesn't make sense to me I won't read it, you know? Right. And and Pertamus stories tend not to make sense, especially because of the tropes they use. But, uh, so, but, but going into that, I mean, Percy and Annabeth. 2015. Yeah, <laughs> Percy and Annabeth, top tier pairing, which is the reason I'll never write it, probably. Um, beyond that, Percy and Reyna, I just, like, I really enjoy the idea of them as a, as a pairing. I think it's it's kind of like the proper Pertamus pairing because Reyna sort of has some of the traits that Artemis has. And it's just, it was better to read Percy and Reyna because it made more sense than reading a Pertamus story. Yeah. I, it's the same with Perzoe, you know. I really like the concept of Percy yeah. and Zoe. But if it's not executed correctly, I really, really struggle gone. with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I've been really enjoying liking the idea of Percy and Piper because I think it's just such an oddball pairing. Me too. Pairing. Same. I, like, I actually, it's such an oddball pairing that's out there, and not many people like consider it. And I've just been like, so I've looked, and there's not a lot out there. No. I mean, let's be honest. Most of them are smut fix. Mm. Oh yeah. And so, 
it's just one of those things that I, I'm I'm itching because I know Connie said he's doing one and the fic me and Silver are kind of working on together. We're yeah. doing it. Percy and Piper. I think it's just one of those pairings that I think can work. Yeah, I, I'm not sure <laughs> if he's going to appreciate me saying this, but I'm going to do it because... <laughs> I can. We we can we can edit it out. <laughs> but uh, and if he doesn't want me to, I'll I'll let you guys know. But yeah. Falcon is is working on a story that's gonna have um, Percy and Piper, uh, seventeen Falcon fifteen. Yeah. He wrote uh of kings and consuls. Mm. He he is writing a story that has Percy and Piper in it, and that's actually nice. something we're we're semi collaborating on. Yeah. I mean, he's in the audience right so, now. So. I, I know he's in the audience. <laughs> yeah. that's, why I, that's why I'm like, you might not want me to say that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, he's he's working on a story that would probably be really, really fun to read. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that... that's like a that's like a long, long time away. Yeah, he's got other pressing projects first. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, Gala has another question. Do you have any tips? for an original writer who wants to start writing fan fiction but has no stinking idea how they're also a fellow aussie um yeah i I mean i'd give this advice to anyone not specifically original writers but really all you have to do is start writing even if you don't publish what you're writing though you should it doesn't matter how bad it is how great it is no matter its quality you should publish something you write because once you've started writing and once you publish something you get an, uh, you get a feel for what you're doing right it's how i know that i'm never gonna write like comedy fix you know like it's just it's just not who i am like i can fit humor into stories but i can't make humorous stories right so really you just sit down and write and then it'll just it'll happen from there mm-hmm. my I've... advice is read the fix that you enjoy the fan fix that you enjoy and honestly write a fan fiction about them if you want to because it's already a fan fiction of a fan fiction even if you don't publish it even if you don't do anything with it it gets your fingers moving and practice it gets your fingers moving it gets you practicing and it's and I think it feels less like you're making a fan fiction about that fandom and you're more making a fan fiction based around another fan fiction. Yeah. So yeah, something to try that, that out is that uh, when you're writing fan fiction, it doesn't necessarily have to be um, fandom friendly in that like you have to know the fandom really well to read it. You can write fandom blind stories just to get like your foot into the water. Like go into the water, technically speaking. It's not like fully fandom blind because you have to know something about DC to to like understand where I'm coming from with the story. But like you can really know very little about Percy Jackson, read that story and still get an understanding of the characters. Mhm. that's the thing taking aspects from a fandom and implementing them into a whole new area of your australian so having an australian demigod 
son of who, son or daughter of whoever you want would be would still be <laughs> would still be a Percy Jackson fan fiction, but it's you don't have to tie it into any of the other characters because they're all in America. Mm-hmm. Percy Jackson would not be in your fic. So just do what is the most comfortable for you. And if you want to do an entire rewrite of the inheritance cycle with Aragon as a girl, go for it. Yeah. I mean, I won't read it, but go for it. <laughs> um, another question that kind of stems from that one too, from a uh, dragon redacted. Uh, he asked, what are some pointers for someone who's going to write their own story based off of a game? Um, you know, I guess that uh, you wrote your Fallout one, so play the game. Um, <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I, I will say no to that. Actually, you don't really have to play the game. When I started rewriting um, my Skyrim story, I actually hadn't played the game in like three years, and I, I only recently started playing it again after I started writing the story again. Uh, if you have an understanding of the game's universe, the game's lore, uh, it's much easier to write things. You don't necessarily have to understand the game itself, because here's the thing. You can find out almost everything you need to know about a game on a wiki yeah, you of some kind. Yes. From from story and... to, to setting to whatever, like you can find that information online, and you can use that as your baseline. And also, I will point this out. If you are going to do a Bethesda game or a game with really, really, really deep fucking lore, you don't need to know it all. Oh yeah, because I, your character know, will not know it all. I know barely anything about Skyrim. I actually, this this is a good point. I wrote something in my Skyrim story where I had the main character mention how he's like most likely the most powerful dragonborn ever to live, because uh, Remen Cyrodiil and Tiger Septon never killed any dragons. Mm. And and someone got in the reviews and was like, actually, like that's not true. Tiger Septum, like, famously had like several dragons in his uh, in his like empire. And it's like, well, maybe. But do people know that? Is yeah. that something that would be common knowledge? Like, uh, as far as this guy is concerned, that is the truth. Yeah, he doesn't know. So yeah, when you're when you're writing four games with deep lore. The only lore you you absolutely need to know is common knowledge and uh, character specific. Yeah, uh, I'm that, the same that way. That varies from character to character. Yeah, I have the same thing going right now. I'm working on a game fic from a JRPG, and the lores in those games are really in depth. It's crazy. It's a lot. Um, three eight-hour videos later, and I'm still barely understanding the lore. Um, but I only need a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I this is uh, I may get judged for using Reddit, but uh, I I often go on to like the Fallout lore subreddit mm-hmm. and the Elder Scrolls lore subreddit, and I'll ask questions because people know a lot more than I do. Yeah, yeah. Feel free to ask questions. That's the thing about, especially oh, yeah. about fan fiction and getting into a new fandom. Ask questions. Ask a ton mm-hmm. of questions we're on discord right now there is a discord group for probably every game ever created at this point 
Yeah. I, I would put money on it. And it's probably connected to a Reddit question, too. And, the, and there's more than likely a Reddit page. Ask questions. Look it up on YouTube. Deep dive into it if you want, but also you don't need to know everything because your character will not know everything. Yeah. So, interesting question from Animals Are Cute. What is your take on smut in general, and will you ever do it? <laughs> okay. Uh, I'll answer that second question first. Um, technically speaking, I have. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. You sent it to your mother. It's not even no. I didn't send. I I've never sent smut to my mother. Um, oh, that's right. Oh, sorry. She, she she is my editor, so um, <laughs> so she does see what I write. Uh, but no. Uh, two years ago, I got really really drunk. Um, <laughs> and 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 wrote a smut fic that I published anonymously. Um, one of my mods then found out that I'd done that because I admitted it and made a deal with me that if they could find the fic that I would just put it on my profile not anonymously just there <laughs> and they did but to be fair I really like guided them to the answer mm -hmm. um, so I it was on my profile for like I don't know a month or two and then i was like i don't i don't want this to be associated with me so i just deleted it. <laughs> i don't want it stain in my uh, reputation as as for my opinion on smut fix like i i mean they exist you know um i don't rule 34 i don't mind <laughs> if there's smut in a fic but i won't read fix for smut mm. if that makes sense like if it happens in a story like i don't care you know yeah. as long as it you know actually it makes sense story yeah but like i don't i don't go out looking for like harem fix you know smut fix stuff like that yeah i think i think if it's done well i don't mind but mm -hmm. i don't seek out exclusively um yeah same i personally i don't care if it's in the story as long as it makes sense in the story but i'm not gonna go out looking for it all right so another question from the same person least favorite pairing and favorite pairing um i'm guessing pjo so my any? least favorite pairing and any any they weren't specific any, yeah. any, okay well i'll, I'll answer pjo because that's predominantly what i write um my least favorite pairing is luke beth luke and annabeth it's mm. just the worst there's no, yeah it feels weird there's no reason for it it, it feels um, really weird and then my favorite i i, I said it before it's percy and Anne, it's it's like the it's the in my opinion the best fictional relationship ever written um mm. which again why i will likely never touch it uh because i don't feel like i could do it justice so yeah that's that's my answer two opposite ends of the spectrum both involving annabeth Mm. Um. Let's see here. One more question. I find that um, hilarious that your favorite pairing is Percybeth, and in the Imperator series, you have Annabeth hate Percy with all her oh, guts. Oh, entirely yeah. intentional. 
and that's that's where I get into the logic thing. People were really annoyed with me about that. They're like, it doesn't make sense that they hate each other so much. I was like, oh boy, does it? <laughs> Son of the Sea, like we see it in the first you, book. Yeah, you have you have the the Poseidon Athena rivalry, right? Which gets yeah inverted or, or averted with uh, in the case of Imperator Andromeda and Annabeth. Right. Yeah. But then it comes back full force with Percy and Annabeth. But then you also have to account for the fact that it's not just Poseidon; it's Neptune. Neptune. Yeah. And if there's something Athena hates more than anything, it's Romans. So mm -hmm. now Annabeth's dealing with an irrational hatred of a Roman. You know, like nothing about their relationship is rational and logical. Like that is entirely based on like hate at first sight. Yeah. <laughs> um. We have some uh, other questions here. One from IDK, who says, uh, who would win the entire city of Chicago in 1871 or a uh, literal cow standing next to a lantern? Cow, hands down. There you go. <laughs> uh, so, actually, I have a real question. Um, we talked a bit about music being an inspiration for um, story ideas and kind of like that. Do you find that? And also, Dragon Redacted, no wait it was uh, j j101 uh, yeah yeah j101 asked favorite music so does music affect your writing and what is your favorite genre uh music does affect my writing i i'll listen to different types of music depending on the type of scene i'm writing mm -hmm. so uh for example philae deorum when i was writing the battle of new rome and percy's duel with uh polybodies uh i am pretty sure i listened to slipknot the entire time <laughs> like that's that's what i was listening to as i was writing that um i don't have a favorite genre i grew up in a very music music central household inclined but yeah we listened to a lot of music um and so i was you know i'm i'm the only uh son in my family i have two older sisters uh, and so when I was younger, I was very self-conscious about the fact that like, I, I didn't want to be listening to girly music. Mm. So I listened to a lot of rock and roll. Um, and then as I've gotten older, I've learned to listen to different types of music, but, uh, you know, I, I really do listen to everything. Like, look, the playlist I listen to right now, it has, it has rock, it has rap, it has, uh, pop, mm. uh, doesn't have country. It's probably the one of the genres i listen to the least same i, I so can't have, have you ever that's hilarious because i probably listen to country the most <laughs> yeah but like have I you like ever mm -hmm. have you ever heard a song like a that has a distinct story to it and thought i can make this into a percy jackson fic or a diff or any other genre fandom have you ever uh, had that happen i've no not in the sense of a story um i've listened to songs where i'm like it would fit a scene mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. or, or or a chapter you know but i've never uh i've never thought about writing writing anything based around a song 
Right. I really respect the fact that you don't put song recommendations in your chapters because I've read fix like that. And it's like, listen to this song during at, at this off at this mark. And it's like, yeah, no, I I'm reading a fan fiction right now. I'm, I'm not yeah. going to go open Spotify to look up a song just to play it during this one scene, because that's what you were listening to while you wrote it. So I'm, I will mm-hmm. actually say though, uh, one of the game of Thrones stories that I'm working on, I have, um, the main character uh, is is somewhat of a musician and I did it precisely for the purpose in that I wanted him to sing songs from The Witcher mm. you, you know some of Joey Beatty's songs from The Witcher like um, yeah yes like Burn Butcher Burn and Fish uh, Fishmonger's Daughter like I want mm. him to sing those songs in the story so that's the only time I would be like you should listen to the song so that way you know what's actually like what it's supposed to sound like but i wouldn't i wouldn't say like listen to a song to understand the chapter yeah i i based a fic off of a song that i heard and i put it in the top at the author notes i went this is what or at the bottom i went this is what like inspired it uh you don't have to listen to it while reading please don't listen to it like after or uh after you read Um, but yeah, that's, that's like song music and impacts a lot of things. So it's having that one yeah. song that invokes feelings for a scene. So we, uh, I, I and, use it to, to set a mood, but that's, that's mm-hmm. about it really. Like to set a tone, you know, yeah. like I don't listen to slow D&D music. D player coming it. out. Yeah. yeah well, <laughs> In I, that I aspect of the music needs to match the tone. You're not going to have tavern music playing in the middle of a fight. Exactly. Oh, this is an old comedy western. The piano man playing in the background. Yeah. Yep. Um. So yeah. Um. I think that's really it. We went through all the questions. Run through anything. Anyone else have any last second things to ask before we end for today? Uh, can go with the so note. We got, so we got through all the questions. In the future, if we don't get through all of the um, asked questions, the thread's going to stay open uh, for a few days afterwards for the guests to go and answer them. Oh, wait, we missed one. Oh. Um, from El Tombat asked, how, he managed, how do you manage to stay so sexy all the time? All natural, baby. all right um well Well, guys um thank you that was yeah that was our interview with combat tombat thank you for joining us we'll have to bring you on when you actually uh release the next uh imperator book or whenever you want to come back on this was fun yeah i guess i'll be a once a year guest then (laughs) (laughs) okay that's fine yeah um so thank you tombat for uh being here with us thank you to our audience members who decided to uh ask us questions to submit things uh thank you for everyone who did submit questions that weren't here though and uh yeah that's really it for today guys so uh, also be sure to check out in podcast announcements sign up for the podcast if you want to be a guest yes please makes everything a lot smoother so we don't have to search out everyone and 
creepily ask them in their DMs if they want to be on the podcast. Um, thank you guys and have a great rest of your night or day. <laughs>